chapter, verses 1 through 2, that speaks of our awesome, resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you have the uh, Bible lab, you can find it there with the sermon notes. Also, uh, if you just open up your Bible to Hebrews 12, chapter, verse 1 through 2, you can find it there as well. Uh, I'll be reading again from uh, the New Living Translation. Uh, those who are able to stand in honoring a reading of God's word, you're welcome uh, to do so. Hebrews 12, chapter, uh, verses 1 through 2, New Living Translation, reads this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. I want to deal with having our eyes fixed on Jesus. It opens up here in chapter 12 at verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. <clears throat> in studying the Bible, I hope you have come to understand that when you see a therefore, you need to know that the there is for a reason. And so when you look at this therefore here in chapter 12, it's after chapter 11. Uh, chapter 11 is very famous because many of us have quoted Hebrews 11.1 1, to let somebody know what faith is. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So, you know, and, I'm sorry, faith is now the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. We get excited like that. Verse 6 says, now without faith it's impossible to please God. One, one must first believe who he is and earnestly seek after him. In this great chapter we have, we call the halls of faith for this many faithful men and women of God. In this text, we find those who were going by faith, but yet this 11th chapter again comes after another chapter. Look at chapter 10, verse 32. It goes on to say that we need to endure in this faith. And so you can see how it's coming to a conclusion, come to chapter 12, when he says, therefore, endure the race. He tells us that we need to endure this faith, and he gives great examples of how we need to endure this faith in chapter 11 of this letter. And we see these great men and women of God, and therefore, he says, since we have these great witnesses that have come before us as a crowd or, or a cloud, that we have a great example of saints who've run this race, and who's run it faithfully. Now, I encourage you to run this race. Now, to us, it's not as a, in the context, we don't have the same issue because we're not being persecuted as they are. 
they are being persecuted right now for they have left Judaism and joined into Christianity. And what's happening here is that Judaism is recognized under the Roman government as an unofficial religion. So therefore, they are freely to go and worship as they feel. But the Christians are looked to be as enemies of the state. And so therefore, they are being ridiculed. They're being persecuted. Even the Jews are persecuting them as well. But yet they say, no, run this race of this great faith. And so looking, it says that how do we run this race? We need to run our race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Or New Living says, well, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Think about who Jesus is. It says, who is the author and the finisher of our faith or the beginning and the the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. The one who forego the the shame of the cross because he saw the joy. And so, keeping our eyes on Jesus. But before we can keep our eyes on Jesus, first you need to get to the race. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, get to the race. And when you get to the race, there's some training going on. Uh, People do not just show up to run and not have been working out. (laughs) You need to be already in discipline and trying. It says keep on the endurance means sometimes uh, we have to realize that there's some work behind us and we can't just show up and think everything's going to work out. No, we need to be faithful. Tell your neighbor, be faithful. So we realize that in order for us to be faithful, we need to be faithful unto God. Our awesome Father. So we need to run with endurance. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I want to first deal with how we need to run with endurance. We have motivation here. The motivation is those who've come before us. Many of us have done something in our lives because somebody did it before we did. We saw them do it. We saw them have success. We said, you know what? I might want to try that. Your brother, your sister joined an organization. He says, you know what? I want to join that club. Your, your mother, your father worked for a place. He says, you know what? I want to work there. You might have seen somebody on TV. You say, you know what? I want to pursue that. Here, Paul's giving an example. Here's some saints that you can model after. Now, what I like in here is that when you look in here, that there's one saint that's brought up in this text in Hebrews 11 chapter that many of us may not care to always to talk about. But uh, he mentions this one woman here named Rahab. And one thing I like how he has Rahab within the crowd that he illustrated in writing this is letting us know that it does not matter how you started. He's letting them know that if you look at your life and figure it out that if God can use Rahab, can he use me? He's letting them know that she was faithful and because of her faithfulness, she was blessed by God. We find out here, it says, because of her, many people were saved, her family, and she was a part of the kingdom of God. If you look in the lineage, she's part of the lineage of Jesus. Then also, not only do we see Rahab, we see Moses. Moses, too. We know his story. There's so many movies out there that one time in his life, he was a murderer. 
He killed an Egyptian and he fled the scene of the crime trying to save his life. And yet God uses him to set his people free. What I'm trying to point out that if you look in this crowd of saints that, is a, that has gone before us, you can find out that you might see somebody that might relate to your life story and find out if God was able to deliver them because they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, I might be able to do the same, same thing. That I, I might be able to press on through my circumstances, through my issues through my trials and tribulations, and realize that God is able to bring me through. I, I, I realize that if they could make it, I know I can make it because we're serving the same God. And so if I realize my endurance is, is, is just like the other saints, then I'm going to remove, y'all see that there, right? Remove what easily entangles me or, or the weights that might slow me down. You, you know in times of training, people wear clothes to train in. Not too many people work out in a suit. There's some restriction in the movement in the suit. Especially in times when we put our suits on, many times we get them to fit just right means that they fit just right so you can sit up and you can sit down, not to run around in. You want to get you some shorts and some jumpsuits and all those other kind of athletic gear so you can run, jump, swim, whatever you want to do. And, and so Paul is uh, 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 the, believed to be the author of Hebrews. Some say it's an unknown author, but the author of Hebrews points out that you need to remove what you're going to do so you can easily run. And oftentimes you look back that they ran naked. That's how they pr- pursued the athleticisms there. Now we know we're more modest now that you see that we're not naked, but yet they will wear clothes tight enough. That remove the restriction. Think about how when the swimmers swim now, they wear those body suits that cover up their body so they can flow on through. How they wear track suits now that are skin tight so they can run like the wind. Seeing more records being set now because how closely it is to their body and how freely they can move. Breaking records left and right. Every Olympic, somebody's breaking a record because they found new ways to make the clothes less restrictive and easier for them to move and get things done. And that's something. And so we understand that when we remove hindrance, we can reach our goals. We can set records. There's some things in our lives that we need to remove. Now, cast out. It's two things it says. Remove what easily entangles and remove sin. Well, I want to point out there's some things you need to remove in your life that's not necessarily sinful, but might slow you down. From getting where you need to go. Don't want to hurt anybody, but you've been waiting on that man. But that man now waiting on you. Somebody's slowing you down. Oh, I'm just waiting for him to get right, but he's never going to get right. But you just going to wait. I want you to grab on closely here. And I'm not saying the man is sinful, but I'm saying that sometimes we are allowing stuff to slow us down instead of keeping our eyes on the problem. Let me help you out. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Then also it says that a man who finds him a wife finds him a 
good thing and favor from the Lord. So try to remind that young lady, stop looking for him. God will make sure he finds you. But yet, do we have faith to endure? Mm. That means, do I trust God that if I let this go, that God will be the only mm, one I need? Another thing to look at is that when we keep God first, we understand that everything else is a distraction. Y'all catch that? To keep our eyes fixed on him, that we want to realize, okay, that's my goal. That's my desire. I want to remove the stuff that's going to slow me down. So whatever it might be, it might be too much television. It might be too much leisure activity and not enough being in the word. I want to make clear, see, say, I'm not saying the things that all the things we need to remove is sin. That's a separate subject. I'm going to get to that part. But there's some things in our life that we need to remove so we can spend the time we need to be with God. Help, let me help somebody out. That when you're training to be in certain activities, it says that you cut out certain foods and eat more food. Now, check this out. I was following the Olympics, and, and you, they were talking about that swimmer. They said that he would eat about 20 stacks of pancakes and some, a whole lot of spaghetti and lasagna. Just to get all his carbohydrates. Now, that's part of the diet. But catch this. If you were a diabetic, that would be too much starch in your diet that you would have to cut it out. Y'all catch that, see? What's right for somebody else may not be right for you. So you need to realize what's the stuff that's going to hurt you, what's going to entangle you, and remove that out. So you can be fit. For the time to run the race. So I want to grab on for you to understand that you need to realize what is it that's in my diet that I need to take out of my diet. So that I'll be fit. Here we need to understand that there's some things in our lives that we have allowed to come in. And they slow us down. And we don't want to remove it because we enjoy it. But we need to remove it so that we can run. So that we can run. And then it says, also the sin. Now, here we get to sin. You, you know what sin is. I don't have to spend long on here. You know what sin is. So just get rid of it. <laughs> the Bible makes it clear, flee from evil. We need to resist the devil and he shall flee. So we, we know the things that are not of God and for God that we need to surely cut them out. Just as you can realize how bad it is, how it's holding you down, think about how it's hurting other people. The sin issues in our lives that oftentimes we think is only hurting us, not realizing that it's hurting the people around us. And that's why we need to cut it out. Because these things are trying to entangle you, slow you down, also stop you from finishing the race. Another sin I want to deal with that we need to definitely understand is sin of doubt. When you do not believe in God, that's not a faith. And when it's not a faith, that means you doubt. And when you doubt, it is sin. Mm. Let me help you out about why it is sin. The Bible makes it clear to us. In John 3, 16, we, we cited all the time, but look at the principles here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him 
shall have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him, if you doubt in him, y'all cast that. If you doubt in him, there's nothing there. If you believe in him, I, I wish I had some help here on this morning. If you believe in him, you shall have everlasting life. It's making clear to us that sometimes in our lives that we need to realize that I said I believe in him. If I believe in him, I should go ahead and walk by and not by. And so if I believe in him, I believe that my God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond what I can ask or even imagine. If I believe in him, I know that my God has the power to move mountains. I believe in him. I know if he just says the word, he can speak those things that do not exist as though they do. So you see the power of our faith. So don't doubt him. Tell your neighbor, don't doubt him. So when we remove this sin of doubt, we don't doubt his word. Now, the enemy wants you to doubt his word. The enemy wants you to take shortcuts, but there's no shortcuts. Uh, you understand that even in the races and the Olympics, right, they do drug testing. And the reason why they do drug testing because they want to make sure that people ran the race clean. And those who do not run the race clean are found out that they have been doping up and using other things. They are disqualified. One of the most famous ones that was disqualified, remember that good old race in Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis had the record, could nobody be, he knew he was going to win. Carl Lewis was taking off running the race. And all of a sudden, here comes Ben passing them up. Carl Lewis after the race calling out, cheat, cheat, cheat. He knew something had to be. I've beaten this boy every time I've raced. There's no way he could beat me and set the world record. Later on, finds out he was found taking steroids. There's a whole lot of stories around already. No, he did it with somebody slipping in his gatorade. What's the matter? He was found out. And so he was disqualified, and the gold medal went to Carl Lewis. What I want you to understand here is this, that when you run the race, understand that people may cheat, and they may get in front of you. They may finish before you, but they may not finish with you. <laughs> Carl still has the gold. He won the race, but he didn't win the race. Y'all catch that. <laughs> Well, I want you to understand, sometimes people may look like they're ahead of you, but I want you to know the wicked, they shall stumble and fall. They will wither away like the green grass, and nobody will remember their place. But those who stay faithful unto the Lord will get a prize that will not tarnish or perish or go away. Keep your eyes on Jesus. See, so you're at the race, you Remove what's entangled you. You remove the sin that will ensnare you and trap you. Now you're running the race. Now cast this, cast this. Even when you go to a track meet and they have hurdles, hurdles are obstacles. But yet they've trained to run over those obstacles. 
if you ever trained for track and those who train know what I'm talking about, when you've done hurdles, they don't tell you to look at the hurdles. They say, count your steps. And so they know by their, their stride how many steps it takes for them to go through a hurdle. So it's one, two, jump, one, two, jump. That's what it is. And if you're small like I was, one, two, three, jump. But those who were fast enough, their strides were longer. They could take two strides, and the next stride was over the hurdle. Then one, two, over the hurdle. And cast this. The whole time, they're not looking at the hurdles. They had their eyes fixed on the prize. But those who are not able to run the hurdles, you didn't train for the hurdles. That's all right. Cast this. After the hurdle race is done, they remove the obstacles. That way everybody can just run around with their eyes still faced, focused on the finish line. What I want to say to you is this, that the race that you're running, when you remove the obstacles that will easily entangle, I said easily. But if you train for it, then you know it's ahead of you, know how to jump over it. But if you have not trained for it, it be moved out the way, you can still get to the race. And don't worry about how fast somebody's going next to you, says for you just to endure and finish. We get caught up with place. Do you see here in the text it says what place? It says no place. It says just endure. Just finish the race. When I think about finish the race, there's many people out there for the first time who've trained for a marathon. And they don't get caught up on the time. They get caught up that they just finished the race. Many people, you talk to them, the first marathon they did, the first marathon they did is their most special one. Because that's the first one they accomplished. They overcame all the obstacles that was ahead of them and said, I finished the race. The next time they try to get better and do a better time. But that first one is always special. They have the picture of the cross with the time clock above them. Let them know, I finished the race. What I want you to understand is here is that if you keep on running, don't understand. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your faith in him and know that you can finish the race. So run with endurance. Don't give up because people want to talk about you and what you have done. Just look back in Hebrews 11 chapter and realize there's all these imperfect people that are in the halls of faith. And if you know you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, you understand that you too can overcome all that has been in the past because the blood will wash you, make you clean as snow. And so you can run this race. So lay aside every encumbrance, every impeding, everything, that will, obstacle that will entangle you and distract you. And then also you want to remove all sin, remove doubt, remove everything that is in rebellion against the God. And keep your eyes fixed on who? Now we get to what I want to talk about. Jesus. Y'all see him right here, right? Why you want your eyes fixed on Jesus? Because he's the example. Mm. He's the example of the life we need to live. Not only is he the example, he's the image. Mm. He's the image of the everlasting God. Not only is he the image, mm. he's the author and the finisher. He's the alpha and the, he is the beginning and the, oh, glory be to God. When we look at Jesus, we look at everything we want, and he says, here it is, I've got it for you. He is showing us that I have perfected your faith. How do you perfect my faith? Look what I did on the cross. 
That same word finished there is same from the root there that when he said, what did he say on the cross when it was all said? It is finished. How is it finished? Because he, he died on the cross just so that we will understand what death is. And he defeated death on the cross by rising from the grave on the third day. And he is the author because he began life. He continues on in life. And he's showing us that I will complete your faith because in me you will be complete. Mm. Without Jesus we have nothing. But in him we have everything. So when we are running with our eyes fixed on him, we see he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the author of our life, the author of of our salvation. Author also can be used as the founder, the leader, the ruler, the prince. Basically, he is the first. He is number one. And he is the finisher. It means he will complete and perfect. Oh, aren't you glad that God will perfect us concerning his saints? And so when we remove our distractions, we're not distracted. We don't lose focus that we look at the one. We are, we are basically so focused on Christ that we see only him, that we understand that if he could endure the shame of the cross for our joy. Because look, look how it is. It says that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. You understand? It was not joy in the cross. The joy was after the cross. He saw through the cross because when he saw through the cross, he understood that the God, the Father, would be glorified in his death. Oh, glory be to God. Let me help somebody else not understand what's going on. Some of us have been hindered because when we look at the cross, all we look is at the cross. You don't see past the cross. Yes, the cross represents death. But also the cross can represent a beginning. What's the hymn say? At the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light. You can see the light at the cross because... The cross can also show you a door closing, but also it can show you a door opening. <laughs> the Bible tells us that Jesus says that if you are not my disciple, if you cannot deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow after me. We understand. I, I want you to understand that when we are dead to this world, we are dead to our sins, but yet we're alive in Christ. This is all through the cross. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who lives. Why is that? Because I've been crucified with Christ. So if I died, I now live. Jesus says, I am the life and the resurrection. Those who believe me, though they may die, yet they shall live. Well, I want you to grab that when we look up to uh, the cross and we look at Christ, we, we see that if Christ could see the cross, but he saw the joy, so he was able to bear the shame of, of the cross. You understand the shame here, that it is ridicule, it is the worst horrific death any man can die on the cross. And that's why Roman citizens didn't die that way, because they were too good to die on the cross. And it ble- and a cursed is a man that is hung on a tree. He became our curse. He became our sin. To die on the cross. To die on that tree. All because he loves us. So what kind of God is that? 
that he would love us in this way. He would send the Son of God to clothe himself in flesh so that we will see death and resurrection. Fully man, fully God. Now, because he's resurrected, the Bible tells us that we don't know what we may be, but we want to be like him. We're going to have a new glorious body to be like Jesus, who bore the shame of the cross. And now where is he? Seated in majesty. Some of the most famous paintings we like shows Christ seated in majesty. Shows him sitting on a throne with power and glory and, and things, on all different kinds of things, angels, all kinds of saints around him, but he's seated in majesty. I want us to grab here that he, he became flesh. You know, that's why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the incarnation of, of God the Son. You know, he's always been in existence. He just touched down on earth in flesh or form <laughs> to show us that he could, the way to eternal life was to die just like he died to this world so that we might live in him. And he is now resurrected and seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, to know that he's at the right hand of the Father means that we have a friend in Jesus. The reason why we have a friend in Jesus, he says, no greater love than this, than to lay his life down for a friend. He says, you're no longer my slaves uh, because I love you. And because I love you, I tell you the things that I'm doing. A slave don't know what the master is doing. But we've become friends. And they will know that you are my disciple by how you love one another. Oh, here's my command. Love one another. And I showed you what love looks like. Love looks like this. Love is willing to wash your feet. Love is willing to die on the cross for you. Love is willing to take shame and punishment for you. Love is willing to take whippings and stripes for you. Love is willing to become a sacrificial lamb for you. And love will do this knowing that you will reject me. You will rebel against me knowing that you will not truly follow after me. But yet I still love you. Oh, Peter, you know what love is. You rejected me three times, but I still cooked you breakfast. And in cooking you breakfast, I asked you, do you love me, Peter? Oh, Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Oh, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Oh, he could have gave up on Peter, but he did not give up on Peter. Aren't you glad he did not give up on Peter? Because if he did not give up on Peter, you know he has not given up. Mm. So our eyes is on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who saw the joy mm, in the cross because he was willing to see the glory beyond the cross. That he took the shame of the cross. And now he's seated in majesty. 
I want to close as to think about as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus who's seated in the majesty. What did he do before he sat down? Before he sat down in glory, he died on the cross. Now, why did he die on the cross? This now is personal. Can you confess? Why did he die on the cross? Hopefully you can say he died for me. And I believe in him. I confess him as my Lord. And I see my Lord seated in glory at the right hand of the Father. And I say because we have him in glory, we have a friend. And since we have a friend, we have an advocate. And since we have an advocate, we have a mediator. Oh, glory be to God. And any time I want audience with the king, I talk to my friend. <laughs> you don't have to put yourself on a waiting list. You don't have to RSVP. You don't have to call ahead. You could just say, Jesus, take me to the king. And he's just saying, I'm right here. And you can just bow down before him, knowing that the king of kings, the lord of lords, the host of hosts, has all power and all dominion. Mm. So the question is, if he has eyes fixed on him, what else are you worried about? So don't get distracted. Don't get easily entangled. If you stumble and fall, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Remove what you need to remove to know that I serve the awesome, all-powerful, mighty King who's seated at the right hand of the Father, who saved me from this wretched world. So let me help you out. Stop looking down at your problems. Look up to your help. Let us pray. Father, we come.